the Tom Sumner Program. Old Fashioned Radio for a New Generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, Tom. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, that's a very good question. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sumner. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian, Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program.
my telephone Any way that she could get in touch with me Tell me she wasn't coming home Looking out my window I'm looking way down on the streets below Welcome back, everybody. This is the Tom Sumner Program, and my guest this hour has um, been an educator for over 30 years and is currently the assistant vice principal at the Ella Baker School in New York City and author of How to Survive Middle School World History. And we're going we're gonna to talk with uh, the author of that, Elizabeth Fee joins me by phone. Good morning, Elizabeth, and welcome to the show. Good morning. Thank you so much. Um, is is teaching not enough? You've got to write books about teaching, too? <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I'm yes, teasing. <laughs> one One of the things that's interesting about this book is that it's part of a series of books on a variety of topics. This one happens to be world history. You have them on English, math, science, U.S. history. And mm-hmm. the the How to Survive Middle School series is, is written by educators like yourself and mm-hmm. is actually kind of designed or at least well-timed to help students sort of catch up after some of the holes that have been poked in their education um, thanks to COVID-19 and uh, the pandemic of the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. Um, How agreed. far behind it are we? well-timed. Um, it depends on what you read and who you're talking about. Um, recently, the New York Times has published that in some cases, um, kids are more than a year behind in their math achievement. Um, sometimes it's spoken about in sort of a like 
50% lower than they would have been at this point in the year had the pand pandemic um, not struck. So there's no question that there's learning loss. Um, it, it tends to vary um, along what region the children live in. For example, some schools in the Northeast were closed much longer than some in the South. Um, there are obviously subgroups who suffered more um, due to socioeconomic circumstances. So um, across the board, and I can certainly say at my school, there's learning loss. Um, because remote learning, as hard as everybody tried, um, essentially it didn't work. And, I mean, and kudos to ideal. and kudos to parents and educators who who tried to navigate all that and and keep learning a priority. Um, and and as you mm -hmm. point out, it was not as successful as we'd like. Um, and and thus um, is is that the reason for these books, or were they going to happen anyway? No, these books were conceived of well before um, the pandemic ever hit. Um, I began my book, um, you know, by the time it all got rolling and I was hired and I wrote the first book in the series, um, that was December 2019, right? So we had no idea what was coming. <laughs> but um, study guides had been selling quite well. Um, because they are helpful for kids as they start to navigate higher levels of learning and they need to be more independent. So this kind of supplement was something that Random House wanted to create um, before the pandemic. And so I was lucky enough to be writing it during the height of the pandemic. It was like, it was my sanity really to have a wonderful project like this. So I felt very fortunate. And then I finished it in about February 2021. And now it's finally being released. And, you know, I remember thinking, like, oh, they need it now. You know, everybody's home. I wish they had the book on their shelf this minute because all the <laughs> kids are stuck at home. And that really would have been great. But now is a great time as well because, as you say, you know, holes have been poked in their learning and everybody's trying to catch up. Um, so it's, it's a wonderful time for paper books to find their ways into kids' hands um, that are appealing, that are relevant, that give them the content knowledge that they need in grades six through eight, and above all, I think that the skills that they need to be um, really independent and self-sufficient learners. So, you know, I think things happen in the way that they do, and um, I think with the summertime coming up, um, this is a great time for for there to be new resources for kids because September is going to bring challenges just like this year did. And, and why is this series targeted at, um, at middle grades? Well, because I mean, what we have, you know, when kids are small, right, they're learning how to read and they're learning their basic uh, foundational skills in the other subject areas. But as they get into secondary education, right, that, that process becomes increasingly independent. So instead of uh, learning how to read, they're reading to learn. And that's what these books are designed to facilitate, it are the, um, the kinds of reading skills that we think don't automatically take place as soon as a kid learns to read. They need to be able to analyze text to zero in on details, to understand the bigger picture, to consider perspective. 
Um, we're calling these survival skills in the book, and they are themes in all of the different volumes, and they appear as icons as, as the kids read, so that it's reinforced that it's not just passively reading a book that's going to really benefit students as much as employing what we call the survival tools, right? Like, a, I love the way you know, we've got, like, hiking boots. Like, put on your boots. And that means activate your prior knowledge. Uh, we know from research okay, that gotcha. reading is more, um, it takes hold better if, if kids are already thinking about what they already know. That's one example. You know, or a pickaxe. Take out your pickaxe. It's time to dig into this particular quote and see what it really means. So that's what good teachers do. So we've tried to put that into the pages of these books. And I think that middle school is the time for kids to start doing this higher-level work. More with educator and author Elizabeth Fee straight ahead. Everybody's doing a brand-new dance now. Hi, this is Mark Farner, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Our fellow Americans. Right now, the COVID-19 vaccines are available to millions of Americans. And soon, they will be available to everyone. The science is clear. These vaccines will protect you and those you love from this dangerous and deadly disease. They could save your life. So we urge you to get vaccinated when it's available to you. That's the first step to ending the pandemic and moving our country forward. It's up to you. you ever feel like you need an attitude adjustment? Are you wishing there was a magic pill or a new app for your mobile device? Why don't you try live local music? Music can make you dance, bring back fond memories, inspire you to be more creative, whether you attend a child's school concert or recital, go to a local symphony concert, visit local bars and restaurants that feature dance music, sing-along piano, or jazz and blues. Music could be just what you're looking for. Supporting live local music is more than a way to support your local artists and economy. It's a great way to improve your own quality of life. Support live local music. This message is brought to you from the Tom General stuff? Listen, I have a legal question. What is it, Mom? I just got a call from the water company. Apparently, your father has not been paying the bill. I guess they're going to turn the water off because we owe more than a thousand dollars now. Can you believe it? Actually, I can't. So, listen. 
We just have to send them $200 in Edible Arrangements gift cards, and that will keep the water on. Now, here's the legal question. What is the website for Edible Arrangements? Mom, it's an imposter scam. Imposter scam? Is that .com or .edu? No, the call was a scam. Scammers will pretend to be a government agency or a utility company or someone else you might do business with. A big red flag is if they tell you that you can pay them using gift cards. So when in doubt, ask for the information to be sent to you in writing. And never give a caller or someone you don't know your personal information or your money. If you do suspect an imposter scam, report it to my office at mi.gov slash agcomplaints. Okay, all right. And Dina, where do I file a complaint that my daughter hasn't visited in over a month? Does your office have a website for that? Okay, Mom, I'm hanging up now. I'm Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel. Visit mi.gov slash agcomplaints for your connection to consumer protection. Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show. More with educator and author Elizabeth Fee straight ahead. And and why middle school and not, say, for example, high school? And, well, and I, I think, think I get it with the middle school, mm-hmm. but why not have a series for high school? Or, or are we <laughs> imagining that high school's or that high schoolers are maybe a little better at finding answers to questions? Uh, well, I that's a really good point. I would actually like to see a companion series that extends this to high school. And I want to say I think that high school students could also benefit from these books. Like, especially when you're coming at um, new content, it's often um, a teaching strategy to have kids read at a bit of a lower level to get like the groundwork laid on certain concepts so i see them as um i would say relevant to kids as early as nine years old but as old as high school as an additional resource um but i think that it has to start earlier like you can't as an educator i wouldn't start like a ninth grader with critical thinking skills Um, i would start even earlier in elementary but they're really starting to take hold of that ability to reason abstractly when they start to come to middle school age. So we're just trying to start it off at the get-go because these are skills they're going to need on into college and and postgraduate work, really. How did this project come about, Elizabeth? Um, You know, obviously (laughs) there are a number of people involved in putting the information together for these various uh, books. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was brought on to it through an associated mind. I was a, um, a staff developer for teachers at the time in Brooklyn. So, you know, it's the kind of thing like, who do you know? And I'd been around education for some time in New York City. Um, but I think, you know, it's the brainchild of um, a person at Random House who um, had seen how well study guides were doing. Um, and wanted to create a thinking kids study guide in all of these subject areas. So I believe they probably started thinking about this. I mean, I first found out about it um, 
in like 20, at the end of 2018. So, and then I started writing at the end of 2019. So this was in um, the minds of folks at Random House Children's Books for a while. And then they hired Sideshow Books, the packager. And I happened to know someone who knew the guy who was packing it, who's my editor, actually, Dan Tucker, who's an amazing editor. So, you know, I was, I was kind of lucky, you know, and when I heard they were looking for writers, I'd always wanted to write a book. Um, I had loved teaching history, um, so it was just perfect. And, um, you know, as you know, there are five other authors, and um, they were just brought together. And I just love it that these books are written by educators. I know that that was the priority, because we're, you know, we're kind of using them as our, as our blackboard or our whiteboard. Like, what, how would we talk to kids in the classroom? What kinds of things would we draw on the chalkboard to help them understand? And that's why it's so full of illustrations and charts, because we're trying to bring the best teaching to kids through these pages as best we can. Um, nothing can substitute for a teacher in person. I will always say that. But if we're going to create a resource, we might as well use everything we know about how to engage kids and get them thinking. And that's what we've tried to do. Well, I think it's um, it's it's an interesting idea the way that it's it's set together as <clears throat> essentially a series of different subjects. It's it's almost like your first hour book, your second hour book, your third hour mm-hmm. book. It's mm-hmm. it's 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 fascinating. And again, the the subjects are English, math, science, U.S. history, and world history. Um, and I, mm-hmm. I'm glad to see world history. Um, I, when I was going through school, and and my experience has been by and large, um, Americans aren't really very good at knowing world history <laughs> and and really even geography for that matter. Oh yeah, I couldn't agree more. I couldn't agree more. Like I, you know. Um, it's a, we're isolated here, right? Like, we're a huge country. We're, you know, focused on ourselves. <laughs> you know, we just are. So that's why I really felt it was, um, it was just really meaningful for me to be able to be the person to introduce kids at this age that there is an enormous world out there, and uh, we are not necessarily the center of it. I'll say, and that, you know, history is this exciting place. It's not boring. It's not about just facts. It's a crazy, um, exotic, exciting story. And, you know, that's kind of the way I wrote it. And I I agree with you, like world history. I used to teach um, sixth grade for a long time and, you know, do this big unit on ancient Egypt. It was so much fun. But I would ask the kids to find Egypt on a map and you know it was hard for them so i think that we can't do enough to um open kids eyes in the united states to all of these other places in the world um respectfully and with with huge curiosity so that so that they realize they're in a a global society i mean right i mean it, it might not feel that way all the time but the fact of the matter is that we are so yeah, I mean, they actually, they said to me, do you want to write the American history or you want to write the world history? And that decision was easy for me. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's um. <laughs> a, favorite, a, favorite television, uh, a favorite television show of mine. There's uh, 
a conversation about something very similar, uh, talking about world history versus U.S. history. And the response mm-hmm. was, no, study world history. U.S. history is just television. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, um, hmm, so if right. it comes up I mean, again, you, know, you got you got a snap answer. <laughs> okay, I love it. Right. Just just watch it, or or it's, it's YouTube. You know, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I I learned so much writing this book because you know I'm I'm not a historian. I'm an educator. So I. I loved being able to do research and then get creative with ways that that was going to make this really engaging for the age group I know so well. So, um, yeah, it was a real gift for me, I have to say. You know, a lot of people, I'm glad you said that about doing research and about being a teacher and not a historian. Uh, there's there's almost this sort of stereotype about teachers that they just know everything. And that isn't necessarily <laughs> true. And and it, it begs the question, how much did you have to research for the books? And in the process of deciding what information to include, um, yeah. how much did you want to try to line it up to um, basic standards and curriculums? Okay. Wow. That's, that's such an important question. I'm going to take it a little bit at a time. I mean, I did not want the task of deciding which topics were going into the book because I knew that I could spend years trying to do that. Um, so I, so, so my editor, Dan, um, and the curriculum consultant, um, made an outline. That was always the plan. And I think that's the, you know, it's customary. So I had general topics, but then, you know, I researched every single topic, even those I was very familiar with, because I wanted to be so careful to be accurate. And um, so I spent quite a lot of time studying. Um, And that really helped me in writing the final chapter, which is called How to Think Like a Historian, and it emphasizes the importance of evaluating sources online. Because, you know, there's a lot out there that isn't so useful on the Internet. There's a lot that's wrong. There's a lot that's biased. (laughs) (laughs) And so, yeah, but for kids, you know, what do they know? Like if they're a fifth grader, right, they're, they're Googling something, all these sites come up. So I'm really proud and, and grateful to Dan because he said, you know what, we need one more chapter. We, we've got to do something on um, evaluating sources, on detecting bias, on fake news, because, you know, the, these are endangering our democracy. <laughs> you know, it's really true, especially at the time that I was writing. So, well, they're damaging, um, they're damaging our knowledge, our intelligence, our yeah. ability to reason if we, if we can't vet information. Right. And again, I think kids need to know this as early as possible. And I actually spoke to some of my sixth graders at my own school because they were engaged in a research project. And the teacher invited me to come in and speak to them as an author and introduce them to that particular chapter because they were in it right then. And it's cool because I can say to them, you know, when I wrote this book, I was doing exactly what you're doing. And I was really concerned with accuracy because I wanted you all 
sixth, seventh, eighth graders to have an accurate view of history. Even though history always has a perspective, I did not want to get stuff wrong. So I had to consult many sources. I had to assure myself that I was on a good source. And I also had to, I did have to make some decisions, of course, your question asked, you know, how did I decide what to include and what not to include? Um, That was a decision that was always ongoing. And I I made an extra effort to um, acknowledge parts of history that have been overlooked and groups of people that have been overlooked because I feel like that's a, um, first of all, it's more accurate and it's a fairer telling of history. So uh, throughout the book, I spotlight women in history. Um, I, I did extensive research around the history of Africa um, because, you know, we have a partial knowledge of these things in our culture. And I, I looked at this book as a way to open kids' eyes um, to, to more than just um, the usual. Because the usual is partial. And the usual is told by those of privilege, really. And um, I think, you know, I can't claim that, that I did a masterful job, but that was what was in my heart as I made those decisions. Is this your first book? It is. Do you have the book? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? I, I, I really, really do. Um, and that's why I, I, you know, for for my own creative endeavors, as well as for the good of kids, I, I do hope this series will grow. Um, I hope we can write about even more topics, because guess what? It's already incomplete. Nothing about the war in Ukraine in here, right? Um, didn't yeah. even finish telling about the pandemic. Like, history is hard to keep up with. And ideally, it should be a blog, because... It's changing every single day. But I, but I think that comes through in the book. Um, but there's always going to be more to say about this. And I would love to be the one doing it, but we'll see what happens. After this experience, do you have a sense for, for the moment when something passes into history? Hmm. Do you know what I mean by that? You know, we, as you were saying, you know, things keep going mm-hmm. on, and 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 they always say that you know, news is mm-hmm. the first draft of history. Um, but is is there a, a moment or an age when something goes from being um, current events? And, and, and recent events to history? Hmm. I don't know. I mean, um, I don't want to get into semantics on that. I, I do think that um, when, when something starts to become a part of the pattern, um, we can see it as history because it's part of a larger meaning of, of the human experience. Um, I don't know that it's so much tied to the amount of time, like, okay, after a year, it's history. Um, you know, I think it's around us all of the time, and that's that's pretty much the way I approach it for the kids in the book. You know, I kind of play with that concept, like, oh, so if history's already happening, like, what about a moment before? Is that history? You know, and, you know, if, if, if history is always changing, how do you ever know what really happened? So I, I kind of <laughs> when you're talking about open an, questions. 
for when, the kids, you, you know. know? Um, when you're talking about an event, you know, passing into history, it's it's almost like, are mm-hmm. we there yet? Are we there yet? Yeah. You know, it's yeah, been like, it's been I, 20 years since um, the um, since September 11th. Mm-hmm. And no, I was right. around. I was very, very young, but I was around when John Kennedy was assassinated. Mm-hmm. That is clearly history. September 11th right. is clearly history. There are still people yeah. alive, not very many, that remember Pearl Harbor. Right. And it's it just it just strikes me that those are things that are clearly going down in history. Um, but at what point are they considered history? Is it well? Two I guess years, you know, five years, during 10 the height, years? I I I would have trouble with that. I mean, because in a way, I felt that especially during the pandemic, when we were all like you know confined to our homes and things, we're starting to wear these masks. I, I have the sense that I was living history in that moment, you know, and, and at our school, we even um, spoke to the kids about that. And we really encouraged like a lot of journaling because, you know, whether you define it as history or whatever, that, that history has been created, like important history, you know, as miserable as it was in many ways, like we were really important because we were living through this moment in time that we knew was going to go down in history. Right, so maybe it's the um, it's the import of the moment, and it's the it's the global effects of something that makes it history. You know what was um, the most dramatic? I wouldn't be able to come up with a time frame. Yeah. You know what was the most dramatic <clears throat> for me during the the uh, mm. various quarantines and and lockdowns and the early weeks and months of the pandemic mm-hmm. is when I read up on the Spanish flu. From 1918, and how similar our reactions were institutionally to Mm -hmm. the pandemic now versus a hundred years ago. And the other Mm -hmm. thing was that it took about three years to completely cycle. And so in the first months of the pandemic, when everybody said, oh, it'll be done by summer, it'll be done by fall, I kept, I was thinking to myself, based on that, going back and looking what happened before, that Mm -hmm. we were looking at a longer event. Yeah. Yeah. Um. I think that... But the bulletins um, and notices in newspapers, Elizabeth, you know, closing down the theaters and the Elks Clubs and the schools and canceling meetings and, you know, all of this stuff, wearing masks. And they didn't even really have masks yet. They were wrapping scarves around their faces. (laughs) And, you know, it, it it was just fascinating to see. It's 100 years later. And this thing has come up, and we're doing all the mm-hmm. same stuff. Yeah, and that's something that, like, I I reference in in the book, so the kids, you know, realize that um, history, you know, has some of our same mistakes repeated in it. <laughs> you know, like sometimes we get smarter, but 
um, sometimes we end up making the same old mistakes over and over again, and that's that's a frustrating part of history, actually. And it, and it really does um, repeat itself. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in fact, like I say, um, you know, learning from patterns is one of the reasons that we should study history because we have a little heading in here about why does history matter. So, um, you know, I say, well, you know, Albert Einstein, he didn't really say it, but some people attribute it to him that the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results. And, like, it, it ends up he didn't say it, but it's still pretty smart. <laughs> and so, it's you know, like, I say to the kids, like, history shows us that humans are sometimes insane. We mess up, and then a few decades later, we mess up again in pretty much the same way, right? But sometimes, you know, we might do some really smart things in between, but a lot of historians are pointing to some patterns that should just stop, right? Like racism, denying girls' education, and then I say, anyone who lived through the 1918 influenza pandemic might wonder how people in 2020 let COVID-19 get out of control. Yeah. So the more people know about these over and over wrong moves, the more we can learn to avoid them. So I use that as, you know, a rationale for, for why it's so important to study history. So I'm happy that you point that out because, um, you know, the whole point is to get better at this. and you know we are who we are as humans and in some ways we keep screwing up but in other ways we're making little bits of progress well elizabeth i am a a lover of history and and i'm just thrilled that you've put this book out and i read Mm -hmm. something about the book that that um, that the series is is sort of encouraging kids to get away from the screens. So I I've been wrestling that our time has gone by so fast and it's it's just mm-hmm. about time to mm-hmm. to wrap things up. And I've been really mm-hmm. wrestling because I always asked guests to share with listeners where they might find out more about what we've been talking about. And I encourage um, you mm-hmm. know sharing a website if. <laughs> If that's the best place to find out about you and the project and your work past, present, and future. Um, Um, Here's a project that's encouraging people to get away from the Internet. And I'm saying, can can we find it on the Internet? (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, the books are everywhere, right? I mean, people can get the books, um, any online source or even in physical bookshops. but, you know, Instagram is the place that they can also look. Um, I'm starting my own Instagram page with regard to this book um, with my name. It's with MC. But Random House Kids, like Instagram uh, slash Random House Kids, one word, that's also a place to just find out more about the series. And we'll see what comes next with it. I really couldn't tell you. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for spending this time with me and the listeners this morning. And uh, best of luck with the book and keep up the good work. All right. Thank you, Tom. It was great speaking with you. Take care. That was Elizabeth Fee. And uh, she is, um, well, she's been an educator for over 30 years, currently is uh, assistant vice principal at the Ella Baker School in New York City. And she is the author of How to Survive Middle School World History. 
and we'll have more of the Tom Sumner program straight ahead. time I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Imagine a journey down a picturesque river. Imagine your Flint River, 142 miles of recreation, natural beauty, and precious resources. The Flint River is a vital resource that is available for all to use and enjoy. The river and its ecosystem provide unlimited recreational opportunities and natural beauty while supporting wildlife in a vibrant landscape. We all have a responsibility to protect and preserve this precious resource. Learn more at FlintRiver.org or call the Flint River Watershed Coalition at 810-767-6490. The Tom Sumner Program plays host to the best political roundtable on radio every Wednesday from 10 a.m. to noon. Armchair Politics features great commentary and analysis about the headlines from local, state, and national politics with an alumni of world-class pundits, plus quotes, tweets, and those weird and wacky stories we call the X-Files. If it's Wednesday, catch Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. Cloth or disposable? Paint or wallpaper? Yellow or green? Babies come with lots of decisions. Crib or bassinet? Rocker or glider? So when it comes to protection against diseases, go with the safest, most effective choice. Vaccination. To protect your child against 14 serious childhood diseases like measles, meningitis, and whooping cough. 
That's why nearly all parents choose it. Stroller or carriage, basketball or soccer. So get all the recommended vaccinations for your baby by age two. For more reasons to vaccinate, talk to your child's doctor. Go to cdc.gov vaccines or call 800-CDC-INFO. Justin or Justine. Immunizations help give you the power to protect your baby. A message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Hey, why are we stopping? We're going to be late for the show. Mom, Dad, we got to get gas. Not here, you're not. This place is charging an arm and a leg. Look, these days, price swings of 30 or 40 cents per gallon aren't unusual. But when a gas station charges a price way above the price at similar stations, that could be gas gouging. Michigan gas stations sell the correct quality and quantity of gas most of the time. But when a station does try to illegally take advantage of drivers, my office is here to stop them. Stop Attorney General and we got a concert to get to! I hope she doesn't sit next to us. Narc. This is Attorney General Dana Nussel. If you have information about potential gas gouging, call my office or go online at michigan.gov slash ag. Put those away, we're at a gas station. This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. The big thing I remember the most about uh, growing up as a child was kindergarten. Now, to me, the only thing, uh, kindergarten, the only good thing about it is that it teaches you how to say goodbye to your parents without crying. That's all. After that, forget it. They got nothing else for you to do. I remember standing in that schoolyard with 27 snowsuits on and uh, my idiot mittens, you know. The idiot mittens are the ones with the string that go up your arm and around your neck. And the only cool thing about it is if you talk in the left hand, you can listen in the right. Hello? How you been? That's all right. Fine. Find another kid with idiot mittens on, you run up, you pull his left mitten, and he smacks himself in the face with the right. <laughs> yeah, I used to love to do that, boy. And we all stood in that line crying. Oh, where are we going? We're going to die. You're going to get us killed. And the next day, I was very cool. Goodbye, mother. Take care of yourself, won't you, dear? I should be home, oh, 12, 30, quarter to one, somewhere around there. Might be late, I may have a little milk with the boys, you know what I mean? Tell Dad I'll see him around dinner time. Now, once they get you inside, they're lost. They got nothing for you to do because you're only five and you're too dumb to care about anything else. They try, though, you know. One and one and two. Yeah, that's right, yeah. Right, yeah, cool, man. One and one is two. Yeah, right. What's a two? don't care, man. So then she takes, so then they, they try these other things, basic things. No, no chairs in kindergarten. Everything's done on the floor. Sit on the floor, stand on the floor, you go home on the floor. Everything's in a circle on the floor so you can look at each other. Little ugly kids with pointed heads. And you beat time to Mozart. How long do we have to keep this up? I don't know. Go another ten minutes. We'll beat her to death with these sticks, all right? <laughs> then she says, okay, children, it's time for a snack. Right. Now you're talking. Yeah, snack. I want a Hershey bar. Me too. Give me a baby room. Right. No such luck. She brought out a box and gave us each an old, dried-up, brown, nasty-tasting, gag you, 
stick in the throat graham cracker. And you gotta pray for something to wash it down. Please, we're gonna die if you don't give us something soon. We got the hiccups and everything, please. She said, certainly. Went over, got a case of milk that's been sitting on the radiator for about 80 years. Nothing in the world better for a bunch of five-year-old kids than good old lukewarm curdly milk. Yes, sir, we loved it. And the straws in kindergarten are the worst things in the world. Worst straws I've ever seen. They're good for one suck. You and that's it. Flat as a piece of paper. You're sitting up there. Then to top it off, she says, okay, it's time for a nap. Yeah, there's nobody in the world anymore wide awake at 11 o'clock in the morning and a bunch of five-year-old kids. 23 kids on 23 cots sleeping wide awake. Only one sleeping is the teacher. She's gone. Thank God for this break, boy. I'm telling you. I graduated from that into the first grade. I always wanted to get into the first grade because you have your own desk in the first grade and that's just a part of being cool, man. Yeah, because I remember there was one guy that was just as old as the rest of us and his name was Richard, man. Richard was cool because he had his own desk. They skipped Richard because he could tie his own tie, you know. Yeah. They used to bring him up, bring him up before the assembly progress and the president of the school say, I will now have Richard tie his tie for you. Yeah, yes, yeah, go Rich, yeah. yeah. Rich was cool, man. We used to pass by the room, man, and peep in the first grade and see them all in there sitting at their desk. You can see Rich, we try to make Rich laugh, we make faces at him. Hey Rich! <laughs> Rich scared to laugh because he get a beating, you know. Now I got my own desk. Ta-da! I love this desk. Of course, they all look alike, but I gotta find out how to find my own. Of course, I don't want anybody to know that I'm not cool finding my desk. I sit down on my desk, look around. I know this is my desk, because I sit in front of Crying Charlie. <laughs> crying Charlie's got the coolest cry in the world, man. You can't hardly hear him or nothing. He just opens up his mouth <laughs> and tears roll down his face and everything, man. I know this is it, because I sit in front of him. So every time I come in to the room, I just look for Crying Charlie, and I sit right in front of him. Of course, if Crying Charlie's absent, I don't know where I'm going to sit. You know. <laughs> Crying Charlie's absent, I go to his house and sit in front of him. You know. Yeah, got to fold my hands on top of the desk so the teacher will know what I'm doing. Got some initials on the top of the desk here. Somebody carved them all the way through to the floor. So when you write on your paper, you rip it. <laughs> Got an inkwell. Yeah, boy, they still don't trust us though. No ink in it. Afraid we'll drink it. And I would too, man. Ink is cool to drink, boy. Hey, drink ink about 325, go home with a blue tongue. Used to make my mother faint. Ma, yeah, look. <laughs> my mother was cool, man. She would faint for anything, boy. I used to get hit in the head with a rock, cover up the blood, wait till I get right up on her. Ma, look. Wow. Way to go, Ma. Cool, yeah. She got me back one day, though. I was playing with my navel. You know, oh, navel, navel. My mother said, all right, keep playing with your navel. Pretty soon you're gonna break it wide open. The air is gonna come right out of your body. You'll fly around the room backwards for 30 seconds land. You'll be flat as a piece of paper. Nothing but your little eyes bugging out. Keep it up. I used to carry band-aids with me in case I'd have an accident. Gonna learn to uh, write in the first grade now. They give you this paper, grade triple Z. 
great triple Z paper with wood still in it. Big hunks of wood still floating around in it. You gotta write around the hunks of wood. And the lines are about eight feet apart. They don't want you to miss getting in between them lines, man. Don't want you to start crying. They give you these pencils as big as a horse's leg. And you rest them on your shoulder as you write. A, B, may I have another piece of paper, please? I will, I I learned the correct procedure for going to the bathroom in the first grade. You just don't raise your hand and, you know, say, may I be excused? You have to let one finger go up. If you want to do one thing, you want to do anything else, you have to let it see two fingers. In case of a tie, two wins out over one. For the longest time, I told the truth. If I had to go, zero one. And then one day it hit me. I was in the bathroom playing the soap dish game. Seven nothing, favor me. And it hit me, now what's she gotta know what I'm in here doing for? It's none of her business whether I'm one in it or two in it. That's why they put doors on the bathroom so nobody will know if you're one in it or two in it in here. And it's not bad enough that the teacher knows I'm one in it, the whole class knows I'm one in it. You go back in the classroom, people say, how was it? One <laughs> So I just started lying after that. You know, hey, if I had the one, one, <laughs> they think I'm one in it. Yeah. Then I felt guilty and I'd go back and tell the truth. You know that one? Yes, it was really a two. <laughs> she wrote it down in her book, Bill Cosby did two twos and three ones today. I got an A in bathroom going. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner. 